0: Ease envy drives China's delusion that it owns the entire South China Sea. First word. According to the UN Convention on the Law of the Sea, UNCLO, and Wikipedia, China has, at best, 900,000 square kilometers of exclusive economic zone, EEZ. By comparison, Indonesia possesses over 8 million square kilometer of ease. The Philippines similarly has a huge ease, it possesses 2.5 million square kilometer of ease. China realized that the huge eases of Southeast Asia's island nations derive from their being archipelagos. UNCLO provides for the claims of advantages of archipelagos by establishing an archipelagic doctrine. Realizing this, China wants also to be recognized as an archipelago. This is why it went to war with Vietnam over the Paracels. It imagines that with the Paracels under its control, UNCLO will then increase the area of its exclusive economic zone, EEZ. Similarly, China seeks to control the Spratlys Island group, believing that through the Spratlys, its ease can then grow in size into a million hectares. Unclo will have none of this, however. By definition, China is a continental and gigantic landmass. Through extravagant and outrageous claims and bullying tactics by its vessels in the disputed waterway, China has established itself as a claimant in the South China Sea dispute. To the lasting credit of our republic, thanks chiefly to the late President Benigno Aquino III, it was our government that dared to take China to court and challenge the fundamental basis of China's claims. We based our suit on the rights and rules laid down by UNCLO, which came into force in 1992 following the ratification of the treaty by the requisite number of member states. Through arguments and documentation laid by Filipino officials and lawyers, and with the aid of one law firm from the US, we submitted our case before the permanent court of arbitration at The Hague. Despite China's attempt to scuttle the judicial proceedings by boycotting it, the Arbitral Tribunal asserted its jurisdiction and proceeded to hear the case in full and in detail. Following some years of intensive questioning and study, on July 12, 2016, the Arbitral Panel finally handed down its decision. Amazingly, in a decision that headed straight for headlines around the world, the Arbitral Tribunal ruled overwhelmingly in favor of all the submissions and claims of the Philippine government. In so doing, it declared invalid and void the rival claims and maps of the People's Republic of China. It brushed aside all pretense of Chinese foreign policy that China had a legitimate claim to the islets, reefs, and shoals of the SCS. The impact of the ruling could not have been more devastating for China's expansive plans for its foreign policy and international relations. Duterte's kowtow. China recovered its footing somewhat with the accession to the office of President Rodrigo Duterte from 2016 to 2022. Instead of riding a jet ski to the Spratleys as promised during the election campaign. Duterte immediately performed the kowtow to President Xi Jinping. He proclaimed a foreign policy of repudiating U.S. friendship and alliance and pledging to a new regime of close ties with China in hopes of securing huge loans for a planned nationwide infrastructure development program. Despite the big effort to change the story by both Beijing and Manila, the sting of the Hague ruling has stuck as new tensions in the South China Sea cropped up. While China tried to play the ruler of the waterway, the rival claimants among its neighbors became more loud and pressing their claims they argued their positions effectively in forums and media around the world. China, through the use of hirelings and bought media, has tried to spread stories against rival claimants, particularly the Philippines. It has accused the Philippine Coast Guard and Philippine Navy of provoking dangerous incidents and face-offs in the waterway. It has repeatedly warned Manila of repercussions following the latter's moves to modernize its armed forces and defense through assistance from and cooperation with the US, Japan and Australia. I think our government can do a much better job of scuttling Chinese propaganda and misinformation by pointing out some basic incongruities in China's position and policy in the South China Sea. To begin with, our government, particularly the foreign affairs and communications departments, should reply to the charge of puppetry by pointing out that it is because of envy of the ease of ASEAN nations that China is asserting ownership of the SCS. China has its own ease, but it is puny in size compared to the eases of Indonesia, the Philippines, and Malaysia Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACast. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACast. Bending the rules. I want lastly to call attention to an article on the Lowy Institute website that discusses how China is bending the rules in the South China Sea. Author Oriana Maestro discusses Beijing's misapplication of international law in the disputed waterway in an article published in February 2021. She wrote. The conventional wisdom is that China claims sovereignty over virtually all South China Sea islands and their adjacent waters. Its claims are sweeping and more expansive than those of any other rival claimant. On the surface, it appears that Chinese leaders are relying on a historical argument to buttress their claims, China traces its interaction with the South China Sea back to the Western Han Dynasty. Thus, Beijing's narrative about its claims began as early as the 2nd century BCE, when Chinese people sailed in the South China Sea and discovered some of the region's land features. Scholars have meticulously cataloged the dubious nature of this history. And besides, the UN Convention for the Law of the Sea, UNCLOS, does not grant signatories the right to make claims based on historical legacy, and the concept of historic claims lacks a clear basis in international law but this is not actually how China lays claim to 90% of the South China Sea. China's abuse and misapplication of international law is a bit more complex. There are four levels that build on one another. First, China claims it has the same rights as archipelagic states, those countries mainly made up of islands. One of the benefits of archipelagic status is that the waters between islands are considered internal waters, like rivers inside a country. Other countries have no right to transit these waters without permission. This archipelagic status is conferred through the UN, and only 22 nations claim it. China is undeniably a continental country, but nevertheless, it drew straight baselines around the Paracel Islands and claimed the waters between the islands to be internal waters. Beijing has not done this explicitly for the Spratly Islands area, but its reaction to the activities of other countries suggests that is its interpretation. My discussions with Chinese strategists reveal that China will likely explicitly draw baselines to claim internal waters between the Spratly Islands once it has the military capabilities in place to enforce it. This is not an easy task, as the Spratly sea zone is 12 times that of the Paracels, covering 160,000 to 180,000 square kilometers of water. China then claims a 12 nautical mile (nm) territorial sea from the Paracels' baseline, not from the individual islands, and in the Spratleys, from many features that under international law are not awarded this right, such as artificial islands. Moreover, China's interpretation of the territorial sea is that the state has the exclusive right to make, apply, and execute its own laws in that space without foreign interference. But according to UNCLO, all ships, civilian or military, enjoy the right of innocent passage through other states' territorial seas. Moreover, The contiguous zone is considered part of international waters, and states do not have the right to limit navigation or exercise any control for security purposes. Lastly, China claims 200 nanometers from the end of the territorial sea as its ease, where it claims to have the right to regulate military activity. The U.S. insists that freedom of navigation of military vessels is a universally established and accepted practice enshrined in international law, in other words, states do not have the right to limit navigation or exercise any control for security purposes and eases. In other words, while international law may support the position of the US and Australia on legal behavior within the eases, countries need to work harder to solidify this norm more broadly. Through these three positions alone on internal waters, territorial seas and eases, China lays claim to approximately 80% of the South China Sea. Then China uses the nine-dash line to cover the remaining territory and provide redundancy by claiming historic waters, i.e., that China has historically controlled this maritime environment, again, a view that has no basis in international law. The U.S. has taken steps to challenge the false legal basis of China's claims. This is the main purpose behind Freedom of Navigation Operations, or FANOPs, to demonstrate through action that the U.S. does not accept China's position that areas are not international waters but internal or territorial waters. In other instances, the U.S. is signaling that it does not accept an area to be in China's ease, although China would not have the right to regulate military activity there anyway. Washington squandered an opportunity to support the Philippines in enforcing the International Legal Tribunal's 2016 ruling in its favor, further reducing the attractiveness for other claimants to challenge Beijing on legal grounds. The U.S. should not make the same mistake twice.